that. Oh, that's better. Right, good morning, everybody. Good morning to those of you here in church. Good morning to those of you watching this online, either live-streamed or catching up with us later on in the week. May the, um, in the name of the Lord, we welcome you here this morning. Um, this is, um, as you know, Church at 10, as this is the second Sunday of the month. And we're going to be talking about unity in the body of Christ and how we're going to be, uh, how the challenge is to build each other up into maturity. And Peter will be preaching on that later on. Okay. Um, we've just heard a song sung by Paul Wilbur, um, which is our prayer for this morning. So let's just pray for a moment. Even so, even so, Lord Jesus, come. All creation cries for the returning of our King. Come and take your place on your throne, Jerusalem, and in our hearts. So, Lord, we ask for your presence here this morning. We thank you we can come into your presence, not because of anything we've done, but purely because of what you did for us on the cross. Thank you that our sins are forgiven, that we are loved by you. So please come and stand in our midst as we seek to glorify the name of Jesus this morning. Amen. Shall we stand? We're going to read a psalm together to start off with, a well-known psalm of praise, Psalm 100. So let's, let's say this together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We'll go, we'll go back now and we will pray our opening prayer. Okay. So we'll sing, so say to, together as we commit our time to the Lord. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from him no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify holy name. Christ our Lord. Amen. So we read a moment ago in Psalm 100, enter his courts with, with thanksgiving, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So um, we have one song of thanksgiving and the, the scriptures really do stress how, just how important it is to come into God's presence with thanksgiving and one of praise. So Let's start with, we really want to thank you, Lord. If there are any kids here and you want to come and get some instruments to bang, or play in, um, in, in time with this, there's a, bo there's a box here. Do come and help yourselves. Let's um, rejoice and thank the Lord for his presence with us and for giving us each other for all that we he does for us.
presence of our risen Lord Jesus. And to remind ourselves of the psalm that that's based on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then lists all the benefits we have, our sins forgiven, our sicknesses healed, our lives redeemed from the pit. So let's just, in the quietness of our hearts, thank him for doing all that for us on the cross. And in a further moment of quiet, let's bring anything that may be troubling us at the moment. Anything that needs confessing, that needs bringing before Jesus now. Remember that John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let us receive our forgiveness. Let us also receive his promise that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are precious and honoured in his sight, and he loves us. So let's celebrate that in song now.
Jesus is truly a powerful name, Amen. the name above all names. And we fall before you in our praise and worship this morning because we love you so much, yeah. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Yes, so Lord, as the children and young people go to their groups, as we stay here to um, listen to the ministry of the word, as we proclaim what a wonderful name you, your name is, Lord, as we seek to rest in you, to abide in you, Lord, please give us hearts that are obedient, that take your word seriously. We pray your anointing on Peter as he preaches to us, and on Ingrid as she reads your word in a moment. And Lord, could you please just bless the youngsters as they go out, bless their leaders, Lord, as they go out. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for the time they give to look after the youngsters and to lead them on in you. Lord, please be with your spirit, be with them and, uh, and with us. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. So there's, a, there's children's groups, um, which Ian, I think, is leading this morning. There's a, there's a young people's group for those with secondary age, which Debbie um, is leading. So um, if you'd like to go with them, up to the, um, and they'll take you to the groups, and we'll see you later on in the service. Ingrid. The reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> Beginning to read at verse 1. It's on page 1175 in the Church Bibles. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ 
may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, I know John's already prayed uh, for us, for me, but let's just, again, just pray quickly as we look at God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word as you promised to do. Uh, your word is powerful. Your word is truth. And as we hear, Lord, we pray that we would uh, not only hear, but obey. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think it was uh, President John F. Kennedy of the United States who coined this phrase. I may be wrong, uh, but uh, it, it's a well-known phrase. With great privilege comes great responsibility. It's true, isn't it? So true. With great privilege there comes great responsibility. Uh, put it another way, you could put it like this, with rights there are duties. And uh, this is what Paul the Apostle turns, is turning his attention, attention to now in chapter 4 of Ephesians. So in Ephesians 4 verse 1 he writes, As a prisoner for the Lord then, or therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Uh, J. John, a well-known speaker on the Bible, teacher, evangelist, uh, he, he says, well, when, when Paul uses the word therefore, you need to know what it is therefore. What, is, what has happened before what he's saying? The therefore is therefore a reason. And what Paul has been talking about in his letter so far is he's been describing the qualities and the privileges that come with being a Christian. All the amazing benefits there are of belonging to Christ. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, it, it would need a long time to list them all. But if you were to read Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14, that would be a very good start. Because Paul there lists, he, he's almost breathless in his, uh, his putting across all the amazing things there are of, of being in Christ. That's really what the whole of Ephesians 1, chapters uh, 1, 2, 3 are about. He's talking about the free gift of grace that uh, none of us have earned what God has done, but he has done it for us anyway by dying on the cross for us. He's talking about the wonder of salvation in Jesus Christ. He's been talking about the reconciliation of all people under God. And yet our hearts and our minds and our wills have got to be brought into line with that awesome calling we have as children of God. And again, this is it's all tying in with the big question we're thinking about. What is our purpose as church? What is our identity about? What is our reason for being as church? So that's just the whole, that's the big question we're thinking about in this series. And so in this talk, I'm going to touch on three areas of your life and my life that need to be brought into line, as it were, with this fact of, of being brought into Christ and what it means in our life. What does that mean? 
that we have this calling of God on our lives to display who Christ is to the world. So three things. What is our calling? Secondly, how do we live out our calling? And thirdly, what has that got to do with the local church? What has that got to do with our life as a church or local church? So what is our calling? I'll read verse 1 again to you. Do have it open in your Bible if you've got that in front of you. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Do you, there's an urgency behind what Paul is saying. There's a, an immediacy. There's an imploring going on. Paul is saying, I urge you to the Ephesians that they found new life in Christ and therefore he says, I urge you, I entreat you to live a life worthy. With all you've got, Paul says, make your life worthy. Make your life count for something for Christ in this world. Don't just sit back and say, oh, thank you, Lord. It's great, it's wonderful to say thank you, Lord, isn't it? It's what we're called to do. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. But don't just stop there. Then work out, well, what difference does that make in my life as I go out and live this uh, life of Jesus in the world where we live? So what is our calling as Christians? Well, he says worthy. The key word is worthy. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. We're not worthy by what we do. We, we can't earn God's salvation. None of us is worth. We are worth everything to God. But we, in ourselves, we can't earn our salvation. We can't um, claw our way back to God. Because, well, Paul's demolished that already in Ephesians chapter 2. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he says, by grace you have been saved. It's not our doing. None of us deserves all those spiritual blessings in Christ. It's the gift of God, isn't it? The free gift of God is the grace of God he pours out upon us so that we are worthy in his sight. We are made worthy in his sight. And yet our calling is to be holy, isn't it? To be distinctive, to be set apart in this world so that others can experience the blessings of Christ for themselves. Now I've been thinking a lot, a lot this week about the why question that comes out of this when you ponder this, ver this verse. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. So why? Why do I have to live a life that is worthy of the calling I've received? Why have I got to be worthy? Why have I got to be, this, this calling to be different? Why, Lord? You know, surely if I've been saved by, by God, or surely if I'm loved by God, can't I just get on with my life? Can't I just enjoy the benefits of it? Well, the answer is yes and no. There's a yes and no answer to this. Um, think of it like this. Um, just say you are approached to uh, have a new credit card. And uh, quite often, if you go to Sainsbury's or somewhere, they're, you know, they're often in the, sort of the, the, the foyer, aren't they? You know, sign up for a new credit card. And so you're approached by a salesperson. You've been thinking about it for a while. You, you know, you're thinking, well, maybe I do need a new one. And so you're persuaded by the salesperson. So I'm going to sign up for this new credit card. And, uh, and so you hear, in the course of the sales passage, that they're going to tell you the benefits, aren't they, of course, of what this credit card means to you, what it will mean to you in your life. It's going to give you so many benefits, this credit card. Uh, you'll be able to spend as much as you like. 
Uh, you'll be able to put all your loans onto one card. You will be, um, you will have all the fringe benefits of being a privileged cardholder. You can just hear it, can't you? The sales pattern that they will give you. However, you, you hear the, the, the privileges, but you don't quite get the responsibilities of this credit card that you are signing up for. You don't take on board the responsibilities of that card. And so you sign up, you, you get your credit card, off you go, merrily spend uh, in the shops, uh, thinking, oh, wonderful deal I've signed up for. It's amazing, isn't it? All these are wonderful privileges I've got as a credit card holder uh, I've just signed up for. And yet, at the end of the month, you get the bill. And you gulp and go, oh my goodness, I didn't realise I'd spent quite so much on this credit card. And then you didn't quite take note of the, of the spending limits and the rule, the strict rules on repaying the loan. And so you've enjoyed the benefits, but you haven't quite got hold of the, of the, of the responsibilities, the duties of being a cardholder. And so it's similar with being a Christian, isn't it? You know, the, the blessings are there and there's a responsibility as well. We can enjoy all the blessings of Christ. We can, we can bask in his blessings and in his love and in his mercy and in his grace and yet not quite realise the responsibility that comes with that. So how do we live out holiness in this world? We can't separate ourselves from the world, can we? We're not called to separate ourselves from the world. We're called to live in the world. We're called to live in the world, but not be of the world. We are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And yet we live in this world. We are in this world. How do we do that? Well, the best advice I can give, and you know, you might have other advice to give each other, but I think really is, is another verse from Paul. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And he writes in Philippians, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Uh, I, I was convinced that that was something that I needed to, to ponder and meditate. So I printed out those words. and I've got it on the wall of my study right next to my computer. And I look at those words again and again and I ponder them or I, I pray them. And it reminds me, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, etc. Think on these things. Set your mind on things that are pure and praiseworthy and true, Paul says. But it's a challenge, isn't it? I don't need to tell you this. You know this already, but this is a challenge, isn't it? You walk outside your front door, or you, you go into town, or you turn on the TV, or you, you go on the internet, or you go on your phone, or whatever it is, you're going to be faced with temptation straight away. There will be things that will be trying to tell you, well, live another way. Live a way that's not holy. Live a way that is not pure. And it, we can be, this, this pressure to, to conform to this world is huge, isn't it? The barrage of temptation that comes to us every single day is huge to compromise our calling, to live by the standards of this world and not by the standards of our God who calls us to be holy and worthy of that calling we've been given. So again, what do we do? Let's not duck this one. Let's not, let's not say, oh, I don't need help. I think we all need help with this. We all need to be honest with each other. 
We need to be strong and say, yes, we need help to live God's way. And you might find it helpful to have someone you are accountable to. And I'm guessing probably that's already the case because you're lovely saints in God. I'm just looking at you thinking these people know this stuff. But if you're not, be accountable to someone. Get together with someone who's going to challenge you and say, are you living this out? Not in a, not in a guilt-inducing way, not in a way that's going to make you feel bad. But are you living, how are you doing in this? Maybe in your home group, share about your life. And if you can be honest, be honest. Be appropriately honest, obviously. But what, you know, what are you struggling in, in your life as a Christian at the moment? And, and of course, when it comes to, to, to temptation, it's, it's about avoiding it, isn't it? And if it's something you know is going to be difficult for you to, to avoid, don't go there. Don't switch on the TV late at night. Don't go on the internet. Don't, or don't go to places that you know are going to be difficult. Just don't go there. Covenant with God and covenant with someone you know who will keep you accountable to doing that. It's so important. So we have a high calling as Christians, don't we? We have a very high calling to live a life that is worthy of the calling we have received. And so my question then is, what does a spirit life look like? What does a spirit-led life look like according to St. Paul? Or verses 2 and 3 give us a very good description of that. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. It's a lovely picture, isn't it, of what it, li- what it looks like in practice to live a, a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. And you notice the top priority that he puts there. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Again, it's very different to the way that the world is, isn't it? The world says, if you want something, go and get it. If you want something, push, literally push people out of the way and get it. And yet the spiritual life is different, isn't it? There's a distinctiveness here. It's about the quality of our relationships that really matters. It's the quality of our relationships that really matters. And so Paul puts humility at the top of the list. That's the top priority, he says. Be completely humble and gentle. Humility is difficult to define, isn't it? I think it's, it's easiest to define when you see it lived out in someone. But you could say it's Jesus first, others second, yourself last. It's joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. It's joy. To live a joy-filled life is to be a life where we are open to the Spirit, living in the Spirit, open to what the Spirit wants to do in us as we are humble before him. Uh, Leonard Bernstein, you'll have heard of Leonard Bernstein, he was the uh, famous composer of West Side Story and conducted the New York Philharmonic for many years, he was asked this question, what is the most difficult instrument to play in the orchestra? And Bernstein said, the answer to that, well, the most difficult instrument to play is the second fiddle. Everybody wants to be the lead violinist, no one wants to be the second fiddle. Now, I'm not a violinist, I can't can't say this from experience, but I'm guessing that's true. The second fiddle is is the hardest place to be. And so humility is about saying, well, okay, I'll do the less glorious things. I'll do the the humble things. I'll get the things that don't get the recognition. I'll do them with joy. What are those things that need doing? 
I just got on and do them. And so Paul also says, make every effort to keep the unity through the bonds of peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. Paul urges our relationships with each other as God's children to be based on peace and understanding. That's key. There are times, there will be times, there have been times, where we will not agree with each other. In the body of Christ, there are times, of course, when we don't all agree with each other. And, and that is why Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity through the bonds of peace. That's so important, isn't it? When we don't agree, keep every effort through the bond of peace. Work at it. Try and understand where the other person's coming from or the other group is coming from. And keep bonds of peace. Make every effort to keep unity through the bonds of peace. The reason being is that God has given us peace in our hearts. Thirdly, so if our highest calling is to live a life worthy of that calling, we've been called to live as children of Christ, children of God, and we're doing that by living out a spirit-filled life in this world, day by day. We're learning to live a spirit-filled life to reflect the character of God. My last question is this. How does that relate to the life of the local church? We could call it Christ Church or any local church, the church generally around the world. How does that relate to the, the church? Can't we just go our own way and do our own thing and live our own life and you know why do we need to live that out in the context of a church and so paul addresses that towards the end of the reading verses 11 through to 13 which i'll read again so christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The church is the training ground for living this kind of life out. This is, this is why God has designed the church. He's put us together so we are training each other to live this sort of life. Humility, gentleness patience, bearing with each other in love, keeping the unity through the bonds of peace. This is, where the, this is like a training ground in our church community. This is where we do that. We get it wrong. We make mistakes. We, we mess up. We say sorry. We start again. And yet Paul is saying, as we do that, with the help of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, etc., etc., until we all reach unity in the body of Christ, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, this is, uh, the church, our, our church family, is a context where we discover what Christ has called us to do for him in the world. And as I look out, you lovely people, or a school assembly when I'm with children, I always say, you are different to each other. It's an obvious thing, isn't it? But you look different, you are different, everybody's different to each other. You've got different passions, you've got different motivations, you've got different interests, you've got different gifts, you've got different skills. And yet in the midst of all that, God is building us up into maturity in his son, Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Who would have thought of it? God, God thought of it. God has thought of the church. God created the church to be where he is training us to live out this life where we are worthy of the calling we've received.
Now, trends come and go in the church, don't they? You'll have, you know, a lot of you older than me, you'll have seen, you know, trends and fads in the church come and go. Things come, you know, different projects, different ideas, different schemes, different this. this. You know, all of these things come and go, don't they? Mission action, mission action plans come and go, etc., etc. But essentially, the church's purpose, its raison d'etre, is to bring glory to Christ through works of witness and service. That is what we're about, isn't it? To bring glory to Christ through works of witness and service. That is what the church is about. And so, brothers and sisters, we need each other. We belong to each other as members of the body of Christ. So here again the appeal of Paul, St. Paul, that it is only as we live a life worthy of the calling that we've received within the bonds of peace that we will fully know the Spirit of Christ working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. The Spirit of God yearns that we reach unity in, in the faith, that we grow in the knowledge of the Son of God and thus become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. So our calling is to be found worthy. With great privileges are also responsibilities. With our calling, there is the status. We have a, a status as children of God. We are adopted in Christ. And the way to doing that is walking in step with the Spirit as the fruit of his spirit grows in our lives. And as we heard last week, may we all have the ability to grasp the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge so that the church, the bride of Christ, may on the last day be ready for her bridegroom, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord, our friend, and our Redeemer. Let's pray. Father, it amazes me, it amazes us that you, in your wisdom, have put us together as the body of Christ in this place at this time to live out this calling we have as children of God. To live out a life that is worthy of the calling that you have put upon us. To live out this calling with each other amongst our fellowship that you call us to uh, rub up against each other and to make mistakes, to get things wrong, to get things right, to bring glory to you. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, pour out your grace upon us, pour out your love upon us, that we may live that calling out to your glory, so that others may come to you for themselves and say, Lord, you are my friend, you are my saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Peter. We're going to follow that by singing a song we haven't sung for quite a long time which focuses not on Ephesians, but on First Peter, where he tells us, you know, in answer to what is the church for, we are a holy temple, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, called to declare the praises or the excellencies, if you like, of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. So let's stand and sing that now. <laughs> 
We are a chosen people. Together, because we need each other in all our differences, in all our weaknesses, yet we are chosen, we are chosen by God.
So we thank you for each other, Lord. We thank you that you are in our midst. We ask your blessing on all that we do. We pray your particular blessing on Peter and on Ursula as they lead us, on John and James, our church wardens, and all others involved in any leadership, any form of leadership. Do you give them grace, humility, and that your, the knowledge of your love, which is beyond knowledge, might fall, fill each one of them, as we ask that it would fill each one of us. We pray for those who are struggling with health at the moment. Pray for Colin Chalkley, recovering from a, a hemorrhage on the brain. We pray for Sarah Heinsen, in and out of hospital, seriously ill, but, uh, but mercifully making um, a recovery. pray for Ralph Goldenberg, who's been in hospital a week or two ago with further heart trouble. Lord, we commit each one of them to you. Lord, we remind ourselves that when one part of the body suffers, all parts of the body suffer. And so, Lord, we bring them to you. We thank you, Lord, that you bring healing. We thank you, Lord, that the scripture says that you bore, as well as our sorrows and our, sick, our sufferings, you bore our sicknesses and our ill health. And we thank you, Lord, for your power that brings healing. So we commit each one of these folks and all others known to us who I haven't, haven't mentioned this morning into your loving care. Teach us, Lord, how to care for each other more. And thank you for all those who do lead the way in caring. I want to pray in particular for strength for those who bring pastoral care, pastoral support. For Cheryl, Carolyn and Ursula as they head up that team. We pray your blessing on them. We thank you, Lord, for all those who've gone out into the mission field from this church. There are many we could think of, but I want to pray this morning for Sarah Wilkins, who is returning to South Africa next week. Again, we pray your anointing on all that she does, working with children suffering from the ravages of AIDS and HIV. Please just anoint her, Lord, and give her all that she needs through the power of your Spirit to carry on working. And may she reflect your love to all these kids and all the issues they're facing because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just one other issue we need to pray for. I think most of you have heard of the sad loss of Jenny Rauch this week which I have to admit even though her health had been deteriorating caught us by surprise. David, you'll, be, you'll, you'll hopefully be interested to know, is now in the care of the Radbrook Nursing Home. But I'm going to lead us in a prayer for him and for the rest of the family. 
in their grief. Lord Jesus, you who wept at the tomb of your friend Lazarus, you who mourned the death of a father, thank you that you understand grief. And so, Lord, we bring our own grief to you and we ask for your comfort. But we pray particularly for the family, for the four children of the family, for Chris, for Peter, for Mandy, and for Gareth and their families. We pray your comfort for them. We pray your provision, Lord, as they sort out funeral, funeral arrangements, We pray your provision for them as they deal with the property, with, their, with her estate. But most of all, Lord, we pray for your peace with David, who I think probably still doesn't know what has happened. Lord, as he has cha changed from being cared for at home to being cared in a nursing home, we ask that you go with him. And Lord, even though we're never asked how he is, I get some variant or, or other of dreadful. I just want to ask for your peace in that man's heart. Thank you for all the service he has given you over the years. And we pray that you would continue to provide for him through his carers, through us, through our prayers and our visits. And we just lift him up into your, into your loving arms, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to invite the children and the young people back in a moment. And as they do that, we're going to share the peace together. Now, in the light of what Peter has said in his sermon this morning, let's not, not just make this a chat session. We are bringing God's peace to each other. We are a gift to each other. Some have more <coughs> obvious gifts than others, but we are all a gift to each other. So can we stand, please? So we are the body of Christ. Let us make every spirit, every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. <coughs> Let us go and wish the peace of Christ to each other as we bless each other. So the peace of the Lord be always with you. And after this, Peter will come and lead us in communion.
We're going to use Eucharistic prayer B. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, we give you thanks and praise through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your living word, through whom you have created all things, who was sent by you in your great goodness to be our Saviour. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he took flesh as your Son, born of the Blessed Virgin. He lived on earth and went about among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross. He put an end to death by dying for us and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and won for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying together, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the source of all holiness. Grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit and according to your holy will, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same hour after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so, Father, calling to mind his death on the cross, his perfect sacrifice made once for the sins of the whole world, rejoicing in his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and looking for his coming in glory, we celebrate this memorial of our redemption. As we offer you this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we bring before you this bread and this cup, and we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Send the Holy Spirit on your people and gather into one in your kingdom all who share this one bread and one cup so that we in the company of all the saints may praise and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be yours. Almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. And so we can pray the prayer that Jesus has taught us to pray with confidence. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. And so our custom continues of sharing the bread from the middle table, and the wine from either side, and the non-alcoholic Wine will be on that side of the church. But now, this is what the Lord says He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not. Set you. 
Body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. The blood of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. So let's pray this prayer together following communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. nearly brings us to the end of our time of worship together. Before I proceed to the notices, um, the, two, the children from the Young People's Groups, do you want to come and tell us briefly what you've been doing this morning?
Good morning, everyone. In what we did today in Children's Club is we looked at all the gifts God has given us. And to do this, we looked at the story of David and Goliath and how God had given David the gift of faith. And he used that faith to go out and defeat Goliath. And then what we did was we sort of discussed what gifts God has given us as well. And then we just sort of did a craft and wrote down that we'd be given the gifts of life and of love and of parents, and really good parents as well. Okay, they've agreed to come with me, which is lovely. Um, definitely gave them the choice so uh, yeah so Ellie and I and Angel and Sophie have been thinking about the Holy Spirit this morning and doing a little bit of a practical as well so I've said to them is it all right if they tell you what we've been doing so is there something you can just say one thing if you like that um, is sort of leapt out to you or anything you want to share is that all right do you want to go first yeah Yes, you can tell them about the Twix. Um, well, what we did was we started by, we all got a Twix, and we had to try and, like, dissect it. And it was, um, so, like, each part was a part of the Trinity. And we had, and then we discovered that it was harder to, it was very hard to separate all of the different parts of the Trinity because they all come together to make one Trinity. Um, so yeah, and then we got to eat the Twix, which was the best. <laughs> um, so today we did the Holy Spirit, and that's part of the Trinity and we learned about the Holy Spirit and how he helps us. So he brings peace, he brings um, healing, he brings power, he brings prayers and loads of many things and he helps us in our daily lives and we talked about how the Holy Spirit is just there for us and it's just one in us so yeah. So. I can't add to that, so that's it from us, okay? Thank you. Thank you all. Just a couple of quick notices. Um, next Sunday, we have two services, a full Sun Communion at 9 o'clock, and then an all-age service at a quarter to 11. Now, any of you um, may be wanting to come to the all-age service, who are coming from outside the village, beware that there will be aware that there will be road closures for the Baston Hill 10K race. Um, if you want to go and watch that and share Mark Underwood on, <laughs> there he is. Okay, do. That's what. My, that's why Mark won't be in church next week. But just bear in mind that you, if you're coming by car, either come good and early, or do, or in the true Christchurch tradition and turn up late. Okay. <laughs> All right, but just be aware there will be road closures. Um, Glebe Road will be closed from, I think, about 25 past um, 10. I forget the exact times. There are signs up in the village. Um, 
down by the entrance to the village, it's going to be more like 10 to 10.40, so do, just watch out for that. Um, what, um, I've been announced, announced that there is um, an open um, garden next uh, Saturday, for the 15th, um, at uh, Nine Hexham Way, Sutton Farm in Shrewsbury. I'll try and get, um, I'll, try, uh, I'll ask Sarah to uh, email this out to everybody. This is um, between two and five o'clock in the afternoon. There's an entry donation, refreshments available, plant stall, cake stall, what more could you ask for? And it's all in, it's all in age, oh, goodness sake, it's all in age, aid, I'll get it right one <laughs> of these days, um, of, the, of the street pastors. So very, um, an important cause. Um, and a real way that um, we as Christians, um, or the team of Christians, reach out to people in the, um, in the town on Friday and Saturday nights. So we'll get that emailed out to you, and, um, and, and to please do go along. The um, only other thing I w uh, we need to mention is uh, the soup lunch after the second service next yeah, yeah, I've got it in uh, soup in quotes because uh, it's changed. So Cheryl's going to come and tell us about this. Yeah, so if you don't mind me correcting my husband in front of everybody, um, it is not soup this time, okay. Um, it is next Sunday, but Eleanor and I decided, because hopefully we're going to have gloriously hot weather, perhaps soup isn't quite so appropriate. So please would you bring your own sandwiches? Okay, or whatever else you fancy eating for lunch. Um, we will provide some nice um, squash, drinks, coffee, tea, and some tray bakes. So please come along and spend some time with each other. Um, don't know how that's going to work with the, um, the race um, and try, that, that Mark's in, um, uh, but let's, let's hope we can all gather together. If you're coming to the nine o'clock, um, please come back for the uh, for the lunch, um, and it will be what should we say? Twelve o'clock, Eleanor. Yes, twelve twelve o'clock. Um, so so get back in time for that, please. Um, and the oh, and there's a sign up sheet at the back, um, which will be quite helpful to to um, just so we know how many tables to put out. Okay. And the other thing I just wanted to say, um, a bit of a spur of the moment thing, but I wanted to say for a long time, a really big thank you to everybody um, for looking out for each other. Carolyn and I and Ursula may be heading up the pastoral care team, but it is an all-member ministry. And I wanted to say for quite a while, as I say, Thank you, because so many of you, I'm, I heard twice this week of somebody saying, oh, so-and-so is doing this for me and looking out for me because I'm struggling with this or that. So that's great. Continue to do it. And if perhaps you, you're being challenged by, by this, maybe a few more of us need to do it too. But just, it's great. We, we are all looking out for each other, and I was prompted to say it today because of what Peter said in his sermon and, and the, the general theme of the service. So thanks. And I want to follow on from that, Cheryl. Thank you very much. Because the person who was the biggest example to me doing this was Jenny. And when we read that lesson this morning, I thought this, to me, 
sums up Jenny's life. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That was Jenny Rouch, and we thank God for her. personal words. She was an enormous encourager as well. And she and David between them were an enormous support to us and to many around here. So yes, do continue to pray for them. When we know more details about the funeral, etc., we will we will let you know. But to finish we can sing one more hymn, which asks for God's love, which binds us all together to come and dwell in our midst. So let's stand and sing Love Divine or Love's Excelling.
change from one degree of glory into another until we share the likeness of Christ. Until the day when we, like Jenny and many others who've gone before, see him face to face. And the scripture says that we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. My golly, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? So let's pray for each other as we finish with the words of St. Paul. And we pray that out of the Father's glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power through his Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And he prays also that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And so with his Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus in, in us and with us and his power filling us, let us go into the world and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen.